Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Following those warm words of invitation from John the Baptist, I would like to tell you about a friend of mine, Denise, who is an absolute hack rat. She keeps, she holds on to everything. Now that wouldn't be so bad, but Denise, she's uh, uh, she is married to a guy. Uh, well, Denise is kind of this minimalist uh, neatnik and prefers drawers that are not hard to open because there's stuff in them. Prefers closets to go into that she's not going to trip over. Uh, stuff prefers a garage that's not a storage locker, one that you could actually park her car in. And so that means that Denise, who's this neat neck, married to this guy who's a pack rat, uh, has to have a talk every once in a while with her husband. Um, she's not as harsh or as brash as John the Baptist, but her convictions are not dissimilar as she kindly asks him to neaten up, to get rid of the junk, and to put things back that are needful. Went to the dentist this week with the little ones. What do you mean I have a cavity? Asked one of them. I always brush my teeth the same way with the same brush with the same toothpaste. Well, that's a problem, says the dentist. You've gotten so used to doing everything the same way that some of your teeth are like beautiful. They're spick and span while others are totally neglected. It's not the ritual. It's about keeping the teeth clean. My friend Steve had a plumber out recently. The drains in the house weren't working as they should. Apparently he's got so many trees in his lot that some of the tree roots had gotten around the drain pipe and clogged it up, meaning that uh, broken pipe, roots in the, uh, in the pipe, that it was backed up and none of the drains in the house were. He called the plumber, the plumber came and he said, you know, you really should get these pipes cleaned out regularly Pour this chemical in there and it'll kill roots as, they, uh, as the fall comes. Otherwise, you will be seeing a lot of pain. Brush your teeth, clean out the pipes, clean out the house. How else can we analogize the work of John the Baptist who greets you and I on this second Sunday of Advent? Of Advent. If you look at your bulletin covers, he has, uh, shall we say, no lack of conviction uh, and uh, transparency uh, as to the consequence of failing to clean up and clean out. This is the way you and I prepare for Jesus at Christmas. This is how Christians have done it for 2,000 years. Clean it up, clean it out, and make room for God to do something big in your life. Clean it up, clean it out, make room for God to do something big in your life. As we know, Christmas isn't so much about the twinkling nights, twinkling lights, the bowl games, the fancy meals, the cookies, the presents, or the sleigh rides. It's about getting more serious about what life is calling you and me to do and about how we're doing it. Dressed in the attire of the poor of that time and day, you notice John the Baptist's dress described to us, not soft wool, but scratchy camel hair, not a woven belt, but one of animal hide, not eating shish kebab, but insects, which there's some pilgrims here who were in the Holy Land earlier this year, and you know, you can still buy those today if you're hungry. 
nothing about John the Baptist was designed to take away from his message that you and I are to live in expectation, in hope, in readiness, and in possibility. To live knowing that what we say and what we do has a weighty consequence, be it for ill, be it for good. A lot of people, I run across myself at times included, uh, can often forget that we touch people every single day, every week. Um, your kindness to somebody, your harsh word to somebody may have a detrimental consequence and may have a good consequence. I think Advent wants to remind us that we mean a lot to other people more than perhaps we know. Rabbi and priest go to a boxing match. They watch as the two contenders take to the ring for their introductions. The first one jumps up and down and he waves his fists above his head, his hands, above his head just like that. The second one, a Christian apparently, he kneels, sign of the cross. Rabbi asks the priest, that prayer gonna work? The priest says, I don't know. Depends how well he can box. Our gospel, of course, included a warning to the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who came out to be baptized by John at the River Jordan. It appeared they were relying upon their rituals, their positions, their ordination, their tradition to be enough for God. But that's not the case. They got to be able to box. Yes, of course, God, we pray. But God also looks at us to bring our best to the boxing ring. Part of that game means participating in Advent's annual invitation to do a thorough our lives. We can choose to this yeah. year, not a post, but a sprint. We can clean out and clean up, anticipating that God is doing something big in our lives. I recently read a treatise on inspiration in which the author argued that waiting around to be inspired is a non-starter. You know, the Greeks always said that you have to wait for the muse to come. And that's where inspiration comes from. She says, no, inspiration is actually something we can influence. It's actually something that we do by preparing ourselves, by exposing ourselves to diverse experiences, going to museums, reading books, befriending people who might normally not befriend. In other words, inspiration is not fully divine but is actually very human, coming from our hands as much as anywhere else. The work of Advent, friends, is no less. As the old country preacher likes to say, God can't steer a parked car. What is it we are sitting around waiting, waiting for to show up at our door? How is God inviting you to get active and to get busy with the things on our plates. What risk, what chance is God inviting us to take? Advent gives us that invitation to draw near to the one who is coming at Christmas, and it warns us that this is serious business. I mean, you can't read this passage this morning, folks, without seeing the seriousness that John took about his work, and therefore the church is inviting us to take upon it ours. John the Baptist declares God is looking for willing workers, and we cannot rely on our reputations or our traditions or on the way it's always been done. God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. The work is that important, and I was reading uh, this week in preparation for the sermon 
about what politicians do when they're coming to town. Because I have this question, why, why did Jesus leave John the Baptist? I mean, why not just show up? And um, if you look at leaders who come to town today, they will frequently have this position called an advanced man, an advanced team that will go to town. And, and if you do some study on this, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, there's a lot to, to read. But according to one dictionary in political science, an advanced man is charged with all the important duties needed for the success of the person who will follow. Job number one, the advanced man has to find a crowd. Job number two, the advanced man has to find a good crowd. And number three, he's got to be able to deliver a good crowd to the one who comes so that the message can go out. The advanced man prepares the way. The advanced man has to clear the way. The advanced man has to remove all the obstacles, be they people or things, that would get in the way of the one who is the God and of that message. The advanced man does not seek the spotlight. The advanced man focuses the spotlight on the one to come so that the message can go out. Job's job, John's job as an advancement to pave the way. One holiday, the kids were complaining about all the work that goes into hosting a big dinner. Why do we have to sweep up the kitchen? Why do we have to polish the silverware? Why do we have to empty the trash? And if we were to dwell on these less enjoyable aspects of holiday festivities, we probably wouldn't have a holiday meal at all, right? And I think that's what we get in our passage. We read this passage, and if you just read it, it's like, where's the hope here? Where's the hope? Well, this isn't the full gospel, folks, that we're reading. We're reading about one aspect of preparation because you know what? The feast is coming, right? All of that can't be considered by looking at this one specific Sunday. These past few weeks, my wife and I have noticed, uh, I don't know about you guys, have you noticed like more road ragers out on roads? I don't know if they're more of them or if I'm just noticing them. But I was driving the other day and there's this kind of white Jeep in front of me. I don't think it was Jake. Um, way cheap in front of me. And then there's an Audi in front of him. And, and, and for some reason, this Jeep literally went past this Audi. It was like 35 miles an hour. It wasn't, it wasn't a freeway. Um, but, but anyway, so, so this Jeep finally gets flustered. And, and his Audi's going to speed limit. I mean, it's not, it's not being really slow. And he just like pulls. It's a no passing zone. Pulls out, like goes around this barricade and passes the guy. And you know what happens when people do stupid things like that, right? They pull up to the light and everybody catches them anyway, right? So now we catch up, but the guy you passed is turning right in, so it didn't matter, right? So, uh, so I'm wondering, you know, at first, am I the only one who notices this? Doesn't sound like it. And also, I'm wondering, why is this guy so angry? What is making this guy so angry? And I started thinking about that, and and I I remember one definition of anger is grief turned outward. Grief, a real feeling of loss, turned outward. When we lose something, when we grieve something, we're totally out of control. We lost it. And angry things like what this guy did allows him to have some semblance of control. So I wonder, what was I driving the week? When she grieving? What was going through his mind? Did, did, did COVID dash his dating life? Uh, has the stock market bottomed out the retirement plan? Did he lose a bidding war for a house, a job, or a promotion? I don't know. Clean it up. Clean it out. Make room for God to do something big in your life. And that big thing may be a better way for all of us to deal with our grief. All of us are grieving something. COVID and what's left over from COVID, we miss graduations, we 
there's funerals, we have so many milestones. People died during COVID without being able to do what they wanted to do. All of us have a lot of grief going on. And how are we going to place that grief? I think Advent invites us to welcome Jesus as someone who bears our grief. And not to go out and drive like a crazy person and taking it out in some other way. We can leave our anger friends at the altar. We can leave our displaced grief at the altar. Advent tells us there's somebody coming and he's going to do something big. And that something big can save a life. That something big can be a way for us to live according to the way of love and not the way of anger. How many of us are in church this morning under the weight of an expectation that's not being met? People who are disappointing us. Bodies that are acting up. The world's answer to grief is anger. Get mad, right? Get mad at the government. Yeah, get mad at those politicians. Get mad at the news media, fake news. Get mad at the people who vote differently. There's a worldly way with different with dealing with anger and the way of love and the way of Jesus. Not that way. John the Baptist is hailing the arrival of that better way, announcing that this new way of dealing with our grief is suggesting that the one to come can help. This one will preach the gospel of new beginnings. That's why I love one. Advent. This is our new year, right? Second Sunday into our new year. So this is a time of new beginnings. And so I, I picked out a poem for you. I know this is the second Sunday where I'm going to end my sermon with a poem. Don't worry, it's not something I do every week. But this poem really struck me. It's called New Beginnings. It's by a guy I love named John O'Donoghue. I wonder if you just close your eyes and read this for you because it's a bit complicated, but it's really worth it. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, a new beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the great promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out of you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream. A path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning. This is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm. For your soul senses the world that awaits you. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.